Do you spend hours in your head thinking about something that happened, could have happened, or might happen? Do you ask others what to do so you don't make a mistake? Welcome to the Playing It Safe podcast. I am Dr. Z, your host. I am a clinical psychologist, an author, and a person that is super passionate about sharing with you science-based skills to overcome any type of fear-based struggles. Who doesn't experience fear? Who doesn't play it safe? In this show, we will discuss how fear-based reactions happen in day-to-day life, how playing it safe behaviors look like, sound like, and feel like, how you can put into action solid tips from behavioral science to get unstuck from worries, fears, obsessions, and anxieties, and how you can start doing what works, what matters, and what you care about. Behavioral science doesn't have to be boring. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. I mean, a lot of what happens in a book like this mm-hmm. is necessarily a matter of sort of intellectual insights and causing people to see things differently and to think about things differently. And I know that's not enough. Like it's not enough for me, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. to embody changes like this is a whole other thing. And I don't know how far, you know, writing can ever do that. I don't know. Um, so you know, there's a whole other piece to this, a sort of a somatic piece where you sort of try to live into this way of being. And I think a book like mine can be a good starting point for that. Yeah. But you can't get the whole way there on the basis of cerebral insights. I think that's one of the problems of like stoicism, right? It's all based it's right. entirely brain only stuff. Yeah. yeah. If I can ask a little bit more about that. So... I am imagining there are many day-to-day situations in which something goes off, something goes wrong. Yesterday, for example, I have to attend a boring managerial meeting. I am cranky looking at that 30 minutes when I have to talk a bunch of baloney. I was resentful because I much rather to be recording stuff. And that's life. Every single day, something may go off, may go wrong. We get interrupted. There are planned things that happen. So how do you practice gratitude in your day-to-day? I mean, I don't know whether I have a... I don't know that I have a gratitude practice per se. I think what happens is I think about these things a lot Mm -hmm. and I write about them and then I write in my journal about them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then at another time of day, yeah, I find myself experiencing gratitude. So if you see what I mean, I think they are connected, but yeah. I've always found it quite difficult to sort of make myself feel grateful in a moment. I think there's lots of benefit, things like gratitude journals and, and things like that. But um, so yesterday, for example, I remember a very specific experience of gratitude in a visiting a churchyard just near where we're living now uh, in the sort of mid-afternoon mm-hmm. uh, on the, the winter light around here. It is cold, mm-hmm. but the winter light <laughs> is second to none. It's amazing. It's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I definitely had that feeling of just what are the chances, you know, that you would get to participate in this little bit of, of reality. But it wasn't, it wasn't a conscious practice, um, and it might not have worked if it was a conscious practice. So I think it just sort of emerges. I don't know if that's a very good answer, but it's the truth, I think. 
it seems a bit more organic. Um, if I can ask a little bit more, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to unpack your experience of these processes. Um, if yeah. writing time gets interrupted and there is perhaps a little bit of resentment, how yeah. would you handle that? What will I see you doing on the inside? It's yeah, too- well, this is this I struggle with, right? Yeah, I definitely do struggle with interruption and feeling resentful about interruption. And then one of the problems is there's lots of ways of kind of organizing your time that make it worse. Because mm-hmm. if you sort of say to yourself, I am going to have four unbroken hours, then it's worse if you're interrupted. If mm-hmm. you didn't say that to yourself in the first place, <laughs> it wouldn't be so bad when you're That's interrupted. Right. So this is a challenge. Um, I think what I try to remind myself of there, well, firstly, firstly, I try to plan in a way that is my day and my week in a way that is, um, excuse me, is that is um, flexible in that way. So mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't like get up and say at 8am I will do this and at 9.15am I will do this. And, at, you know, I, I will say, you know, during the course of today, I want to try to do four or five focused hours or something. And I'll have a rough idea of when they're going to come, but I won't be doing like, oh, it's going to start at 9.20. And then, and then if you've been interrupted the previous minutes, it's all ruined, you know, that's just Mm -hmm. an unhelpful way to think. Um, And then I was very struck by a quote by, from C.S. Lewis that I encountered the other day in a Christian context, obviously, because that's what he was, how he was writing, but talking about how, you know, we all live with this notion that if, if only we could get all these interruptions out of the way, we could mm-hmm. get to our real life. And he's saying that, of course, you know, the interruptions are the real life. They're the life that, um, in his language, that God is sending you moment to moment. That, that That's life, right? Life is what is happening right now. And um, sometimes when I'm really moaning or stressed about, like, some difficulty in my work my wife will remind me of uh, uh, something that I think she brings to her work as well which is like no 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 like this is the work right dealing with the problems this is the substance of so it's the same point in a way right interruptions are the substance of life mm-hmm. problems are the substance of work um it doesn't make it okay all the time but it's useful to remember that you know you are this is just the stuff that you're it, it, it's not a it's not it's not really a distraction from life it kind of is it's life. it is life um that doesn't mean that you know there aren't really annoying people who actually you should try to get to stop interrupting you or you know the people you shouldn't give your cell number to because they're just going to be pestered. yeah sure that boundaries are ma- boundaries matter too but um yeah. but i think this idea that you're going to get to a state place where you're not you're going to get to a point in your life where you don't have interruptions is a sort of fundamental misunderstanding of life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, albeit a misunderstanding that I fall into. Yeah, yeah. I think can be like a fantasy thought, right? That we're not going to be interrupted. And I love this right. frame that it's part of life. It's exactly what life is about in those moments. We may not like it, but it's happening. Um, let me be a little bit mm-hmm. picky. So there you are, you remind yourself, this is life, this interruption is life. And then how do you do with perhaps the crankiness that comes, uh, the ruminating thoughts that sometimes may come up? How do you handle that? 
because the mind has a life on its own. It's all the time going blah, 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 like a soundtrack. So if you have some thoughts like that in those moments, how would you deal with those thoughts? Uh, on a good day and when I am being my mm-hmm. best self, I, I can hear those <laughs> thoughts and, um, and, and not try to chase them away and let them be mm-hmm. there and then let them fade away. And nonetheless, you know, so I'm here writing, my five-year-old son bursts in, he wants my attention. <laughs> Some part of me thinks like, I'm really annoyed. I want to write. Another part of me is aware that like Mm. dealing, interacting with your own son is the central plank of life, right? It's not, Mm -hmm. so then I can sort of let that subside. And again, maybe I'll make my body go through the motions for a few seconds and then gradually the, my mind will catch up. And then on really bad days, no, I'll just be a, I'll just be bad tempered. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So I don't think it's, I've never, for me, again, that's something like meditation is helpful and journaling is helpful. But again, it's not something that you can do in that moment. In the moment, it seems to me, you just have to hope that you have those resources to draw on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you do have to do things to sort of keep the soil in a good, the mental soil in a good state. And for me, I think, you know, morning pages, writing early morning in my journal is the crucial one of those. Meditation, I'm less disciplined about. Mm-hmm. but it's also it is helpful when I do do it yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think many times we have these micro choices that we have to make it's not easy yeah. it's not perfect ever but it's this conscious no. choice that we make right that it's hard it's hard yeah. many times um yes speaking about this a little bit um in your book the antidote happiness for people who can't stand positive thinking I think it's in the first yeah. chapter when you describe your experience of attending to this conference or webinar to get motivated. And, you know, people are talking yes. all things about positive thinking. I'm curious, um, looking back to all what you learned and you have been studying, have your thoughts about positive thinking changed? No. How do you see it these days? I mean, I thought book, I guess, I think all the, I think both the main books I've written have just been like me trying to figure out my sort of therapy issues at that stage in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, that book was, the other thing about that book was um, the sort of, the approach that book takes is, is, a, is a, I think is a kind of an easy way in both for me and for the reader to some quite difficult subject matter. So, you know, something that I was coming up against with in the challenge of writing that book is that actually quite a few of my potential readers, they already know, they already believe that those kind of motivational seminars are a bit ridiculous, right? Yeah. They don't actually need, they don't actually need me to persuade them that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that you can't sort of make yourself a multimillionaire just by thinking really hard about money or something. They, they know that. Mm-hmm. So the challenge was to persuade them that, the broader idea of trying to stamp out negativity is actually quite widespread and that, and that they probably do have some of that idea in their head, even though they don't believe in all that nonsense. And certainly that was clearly what I was trying in hindsight. I was trying to sort of address that in myself, right? I was already totally cynical about positive thinking in the, in the most sort of extreme form, but I probably was engaged in trying to sort of eliminate 
uh, uncertainty and fear and lots of negative emotions from my own life. So I was sort of engaged in positive thinking, even though it wasn't that kind of cliched kind. And so I think I was writing the book that I needed to read and giving advice that I needed to hear. I think there has been a whole industry that was created around positive thinking and the idea that we shouldn't have negative thoughts. To me, the hardest part of this toxic message is that denies the complexity of being alive, that we are going to have some negative thoughts and criticizing thoughts. Um, On on that note, um, if you are walking on the street or you are with your kid or you're with your wife, and then you have one of those negative thoughts, like, oh my Mm. gosh, I'm such a bad father. How will you relate to the thought? What will you do these days? Um, I, there are definitely days when I would just totally identify with that thought and get very gloomy and 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 bad tempered. That does happen. I am not perfect. Um, but no. I guess on the best days, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's just it's just to see it's just to recognize one's old patterns and to have that sort of attitude of um, I think it's very important to be able to have a sort of attitude of humorous indulgence I guess right you know like if you have a if you have some sort of relative in your family uh, who always does some silly thing always talks about some so you'd be like oh yes old uncle Bill is doing that thing again and you I think you can take the same attitude to yourself right it's like oh yes guess what um and I was very I was very struck by a a line in um, a book by therapist called Bruce Tift who I quote in my book um he wrote this great book called Already Free and he says somewhere that like you should uh, it's an interesting experiment to think about whatever your biggest emotional issue is your biggest psychological struggle and imagine uh never getting rid of it imagine having it to the end of your life you know mm-hmm. so if if you have a tendency to beat yourself up internally as a, as an example just to use the example you were using um maybe that's always going to be there until you till you die okay and then I think well all right um maybe I'm always going to be having those thoughts about oh am I being a good father or being a bad father um and then you can sort of laugh about it because it's just like (laughs) no it's that thing again instead of I've really got to change so that I don't have these thoughts anymore which is a a recipe for disaster I think it is a recipe for disaster yeah within yeah, <laughs> no, I, yeah. I completely agree. Like you, I'm a renegade of positive thinking, right? <laughs> um, within ACT, we have this process that is called diffusion. You may have here read about yes. it. And we play with those thoughts. I can say I'm a bad psychologist. I'm a bad psychologist for 30 seconds in different voices. Yeah. Let me switch gears a little bit. I have a couple of sassy questions for sassy comments that I have you know here you're making here and there so forgive me not here's one of them what bothers you the most of pop psychology bothers me the most about pop psychology Um, (laughs) well I guess it's that sort of confusion between what is simple and what is easy right so Often pop psychology makes things too complicated. It wants to you to especially sort of bad self-help is all about sort of um, complicated systems to make your life better or something. But then it but then it also thinks that this should be easy, that 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 um, if you if you read some instructions to do life differently, 
then you should just be able to sort of put them into practice. And that's ridiculous. Like the whole challenge is the putting into practice. We all know basically what we need to do. I don't think there's much to be said about that, but we do need help in thinking about or actually doing doing it. So that sort of idea that like once you know what you need to do, the rest will follow naturally. I think that's that's very annoying. Got it. What are emotions? Um, I read a couple of, I think months ago, a very juicy article you wrote in The Guardian. If we subtract physical sensations, what is an emotion? We have thoughts yeah. of physical sensations, right? So what are emotions? I, what- yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I have any idea. And what I can't work out is whether that's a sort of sign of my own limitations or mm-hmm. or not. So a lot of mindfulness, you know, Buddhist teachers, they do talk about emotions having these two components, this mental side and then the physical sensations. But mm-hmm. then they sometimes talk about a sort of a third a third part, which is a kind of a, it translates in lots of strange ways, but like, like a feeling tone. That's one mm-hmm. of the, one of the type, one of the descriptions. And then of course, in therapy, um, people are always talking as if we know what anxiety is, or if anxiety is a thing, you know? Um, and yeah, I just don't know. So the question to me is, mm-hmm. the question for me is always, is is it is that because I've kind of seen through some kind of illusion about the way we talk about things, mm-hmm. or is it just because I'm really out of touch with my emotions? And maybe <laughs> people who are more sensitive to their emotions than me have a much clearer sense of of what it is to be sad or anxious. To be, I mean, I have those experiences, but when I try to focus on them, they they sort of they evade my attempts to focus on them. So I don't know the answer. My next question is, what are your thoughts on work-life balance? Oh, I really hate this phrase because, (laughs) um, firstly, because it says work and life are separate things. And uh, I think it encourages a kind of defeatism about work. I think work, we should at least aspire for work to be very fulfilling part of life, Mm -hmm. Um, even if it even if we live in a society where that often isn't isn't true. Um, uh, and then also this idea of balance, it, it sounds so good. It sounds like having the right amount of each, but what it usually means, I think, is people feel a lot of pressure to um, be 100% excellent in both work and outside work. And I think, you know, very often it's the appropriate thing to do in life is to pursue imbalance and to say, you know, for the next few months, I'm going to be all in on work for the next few months. I'm going to do as little work as I can get away with, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, to focus on family or whatever it might be. So, uh, yeah. That's much more real, right? To finding our rhythms, our system. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Think yeah. So. Yeah. And here's my last question. How would you distinguish meaning from happiness? Oh yeah. Very interesting. I mean, I think the the obvious thing to say there is just that, meaning is something that we know when we are experiencing or when when our lives have it and we know that it isn't necessarily associated with a positive mood um but we know that we're glad we we experienced that experience or did that thing or met that person and and very often meaning and happiness totally come apart i think you know very often it can be not at all happiness inducing to 
to be doing certain meaningful things. So they're just separate. Um, I don't know that I can say what meaning is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just have to trust your intuitions to know it. But a good step, first step is to disentangle it from happiness. Yeah. And to, to understand that it's that sort of deep sense of rightness about something in your life that is goes deeper than the mood that you have when you or the affect that you have when you do it. Yeah. Doing something meaningful doesn't mean that we're going to be happy and bubbly all the time. It's totally apart. Right, right. And one last question, if it's okay. And this is a yep. different type of question. Um, if you were to have a chance to have a cup of coffee, tea, or a scotch, or whiskey, or bourbon with any person you want, who will that be today and why? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> do they have to be alive, like a real person I could that could happen to? It can be anyone. Okay. Um Well, if it can be anyone who's ever lived something like that, then I think I would have to go for one of the greats like, you know, Carl Jung, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, don't, I think he would be probably quite, I think a scotch with a cigar or something he would probably have gone for. I don't smoke cigars. I don't smoke. But um, uh, I could I could imagine. I could imagine him. And mm-hmm. then um, I also always think um, Simone de Beauvoir would be excellent company for an. Mm-hmm coffee and alcohol in a cafe speaking about lots of these things it's it's striking to me how often I end up at her work when I'm pursuing some of the topics that I'm pursuing really um, so uh that'd be an interesting three-person meeting wouldn't it me Carl Jung and Simone de Beauvoir well I wouldn't be interesting but they would be interesting ha, anyway would, there you that go that would be a juicy <laughs> conversation that would be a juicy <laughs> right right <laughs> Oliver, thank you so much for chatting with me. I am super grateful and I hope I can bother you again in a couple of months. Yeah, yeah, sure. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, I will very much appreciate it if you will subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. And if you're feeling extra generous, I welcome a review on Apple Podcasts. Show notes of this episode are in the website playingwithsafe.zone. Make sure to subscribe to my newsletter so you can receive more tips to stop all types of unworkable playing with safe actions. See you soon!